1: real noom user compensated to provide their story
3: in four weeks the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week individual results may vary
2: hi everyone this is sam before this week's episode this is a heads up that my new book sort your head out mental health without all the bollocks is out on february 16th published by constable search my name on amazon waterstones or wherever else you get your books to pre-order a copy now It'll be available in hardback, Kindle, and as an audiobook via Audible. All your support, as always, is appreciated. Hello, and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is Geraint John. Just four months ago, Geraint lost his wife, Debs, to pancreatic cancer. She was just 43. Now he finds himself not only a 41-year-old widower, but also a solo parent to three grieving kids aged 8, 12 and 15. I read about Geraint's story on the BBC News website, where his interview recently went viral. He's chosen to speak publicly about what he's going through in order to help other grieving families make sense of their situation. He's living through many people's worst nightmare, but as you're about to hear, Geraint is coping with honesty, strength strength and humour. He's an incredible bloke with a sad but inspiring story. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Geraint, welcome to The Reset. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, Hard to know where to start with your story. I mean, I guess 2021 when your wife Deb first received her diagnosis. Um, what what are your memories of that day?
3: Well, um, ironically, I'm sat in my uh, house now, and I can kind of see the hospital, King's Hospital, in Camberwell, where we um, where we went to kind of get the, the the news, really. And she hadn't been well for a while. We thought it was uh, pancreatitis, and we got called in. Um, but beforehand, she emailed me and she said, "Look, I think it's cancer." Um, I don't know what gave her that impression. She said, look, I know it is. And so we kind of met up and it was really quite, yeah, quite a really difficult kind of meeting in the park. We sat on the grass and just chatted going, oh, God, I hope it's not. It was awful. And um, and spring was in the air, daffodils uh, around. And, and then anyway, we had this meeting and surely enough, um, it was the meeting that you kind of dread whereby, you know, there's someone there. I knew straight away because there was someone else there with a box of tissues. I thought, what's she doing there with a box of tissues? And then the woman said, you've got um, pancreatic cancer. Um, Didn't know anything about cancer at this point, as in nothing, really. So, um, Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was just obviously a very, very rubbish, rubbish day.
2: And what what happens next? I mean, you say you didn't know anything about cancer, so you'd never had it with no one, no relative or friend had ever, no one close to you would ever had it before?
3: No, it was like, you know, um, one of those things that I often say this, that other people have, you know, Mm. and I thought that we were just invincible and that's how I lived my life. You know, I just thought, "Ah, I'm all right, we're all right, it won't happen to us, we're healthy and, you know, um, and then, I had to learn about it very, very quickly because, you know, within pretty much a month, she was in um, a hospital getting all, um, her pancreas and various other vital organs removed in the hope that the cancer wouldn't spread. So she went from January, you know, just having a brilliant lockdown January. We had a really good January. Um, it's a birthday in January next on Sunday, actually. And, you know, we went from that to April where she's come out of hospital and she is literally, um, you know, type 1 diabetic. She can't – you know, it was just hell for her, you know. Mm, and then mm. the chemo started then pretty much straight away, you know. And um, we went on this mad journey together, you know, the final, I guess, part of our journey. So so pretty terrifying, really.
2: What was the difference in your reactions Yours and, and hers.
3: Um, but Step was like quite a remarkable um, young lady, um, lady, woman. She like was really, really, really strong. You wouldn't really, she wouldn't really flinch at much. She could, she had a big pain threshold. You know, she didn't really complain. She like. Took it as a battle so she you know i remember when she got diagnosed we both agreed right come on you're going to beat this now i'm quite positive as well which helped i'm quite a positive person mm-hmm. um and she is a, a fighter so to get that's why our relationship worked so well because i think the combination of my positivity and her like just you know i guess determination meant that you know we were able to do stuff, I guess, which is often the best partnership, isn't it? It's a bit like ying and yang, it's never ying and ying. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's where you kind of compliment each other. Um, so she, yeah, so she, back, back to your question, yeah, took it as a battle, I'm gonna beat this, I'm not gonna, you know, we're gonna beat this. And I was like her cheerleader, basically, my job then, as I saw it, was to make sure she was happy, Make sure that, like, she was—I was, I was my, by her side pretty much for everything. I wanted her to just go through it with me there, as like you know, like you know, every time she looked, I was there. So that's that's thats kind of was our approach.
2: And so, did you step away from work at that point? Did you? Was it a full-time thing? How how did the practicalities work?
3: Well, that's what I. Somebody asked what my biggest challenge was, or my biggest challenge was. I had to keep everything going. So I've got a yeah. business and a team of people who work for me. I make like podcasts and digital marketing uh, services. So I've got a load of clients. Like I had loads of big projects, which I had to like, I was like doing Zoom calls in the key while she's having chemo. Mm. I was doing writing presentations. Like I just kept it going somehow. I don't know. I don't know how the the hell I did it, but um, I I had to just, um, I had to just battle on, you know?
2: And and during that period, I suppose, you know, I, I just you, you say you don't know how you did it. I mean, you must have been overwhelmed and exhausted. Of course, all your energy is going in to to her, to Deb, and her situation. But you yourself, you know, were, were you getting support? Were you able to take care of yourself, or was that just completely off the table as far as you were concerned?
3: Um, no, I actually, I was taking care of myself. I'd carried on running. I think this is what got me through running. So I was running like three times a week, four times a week. I was boxing in my gym in Brixton, Miguel's, and I've got quite a big community of friends and I guess support there as well. I'm not Mm. a very good boxer, but it's just like a mental health thing that I, keeps me in. I don't know. There's something about smacking something that just, (laughs) I don't know, sorts everything out. I don't
1: know.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. Um, So that, that kept going. And of course we've got three kids as well. So, like, I, it was quite traumatic for them, you know, seeing mum being driven off back and forwards to this hospital and her coming back, you know, ill for a couple of days and then her being okay and then her being ill for a couple of days. So I had to, like, basically, I felt like I had to keep it together. And I think now is the period that I'm just, you know, perhaps just, like, totally deflated and... Um, and I, I'm not boxing. I'm not running when I should be because I'm just, mm. I don't know. I can't explain it really. But um, I also saw a psychologist once a week. So, um, And I, I had him saw him today, actually. He's, he's absolutely amazing. He's Welsh as well. Um, and we've got a pretty close bond. And he helped me get through it. And I was uh, obsessed about – because something that me and Deb didn't really talk about was – if she was going to die we had the right. conversation a couple of times but in my and a lot of people have said no you need to have this chat you need to you know you need to be discussing this and my view was if we did talk and i for listeners i'm not saying this is right or wrong but just what worked for us was you know the hope that she was going to get through and there is always a hope and mm. as long as there's a hope that's what we're going for mm. so but obviously in the back of my head i'm thinking this all goes tits up which because it's uh, you know pancreatic cancer there's a high percentage that it might because i've obviously done my independent research then how does the what does it actually look like for me now what's gonna happen am i gonna go off the rails am i gonna Mm. you know what do i do with work what do i do with the kit there's all these things that i was that was the struggle that was going on in my head because i was unable to talk it to her but to her because if i did then that would almost like get her off track because she was doing amazing stuff. She was doing yoga three times a week, which is like a yoga teacher she used to come to the house. The mm. day after she'd have chemo, she'd have yoga. She was just um, an unbelievable. Like, who does that? You know Who has chemo? And then the next day does yoga at nine o'clock in the morning. Just mm. phenomenal. you know. Mm. And she had to change her whole diet. She couldn't eat any fat, 0% fat, because if she had fat, it would because she had no pancreas. And there's, it was just like, she went through apps, like, you know, the hospital said they'd never seen anything, um anyone suffer as much as her with this, you know?
2: Wow. wow. It
3: was just so unbelievably sad, you know, what she went through. But she did it, like, with dignity and, like, we're really proud of her, you know, really. And me and the kids just chat about her all day. And obviously I'm a soft touch, so they're just taking advantage of me Totally now. Yeah. And then I'm so I say, but if mum if the roles were reverse and mum was here, you know she wouldn't be putting up with this. And they go yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, uh, so what what was it like when you first had to tell the kids that mum was ill and and what was the period like, you know, for them emotionally? What how did you communicate with them?
3: Yeah, so I get this is really important um for anyone listening. Um, who might be going through it is the way you communicate to the children because obviously they hang on your every word and action. So if you be, you know, if you're behaving erratically, then they're going to be worried. So my like, we had to sit down and say, "Mum's got cancer," and then obviously everyone just knew what that was and was hysterical, and the eight-year-old didn't really. She was just upset because everyone else was upset, and then you know the tears passed, and then you know the um the mantra was that you she, but she's you know she's going to get through it because she's a fighter so they assumed mm. she's going to get through it mm. now you know so they went about about the day to day but the challenge that we had well we then had a meeting in the september whereby we had some bad news which was when i knew it was is when it, we found out that it spread to her liver and then that was literally when I kind of, and I hadn't really cried at this point. I cried in the consultant's room for like 45 minutes because I, I knew, oh, right. If, so I kind of knew. And then, you know, that was tricky then because we both knew, you know, that it was unlikely that she was going to really, you know, um, be able to beat it. Right. So that was tricky, you know, Um, then working out what to do, how to communicate with the kids. Do you tell them, do you not tell them? So we decided not to tell them at that point that it would spread because, you know, they can't influence it. And, you know, um, it, it it would probably distract our, like, mission of keeping the chemo going, trying to find something alternative. So... Rightly or wrongly, I don't, like I, th- I said, really, I don't really regret anything that I did, which is probably a good thing. There's not like I go, if I could go back, I would have, because then as the story unfolded later, I think we handled it quite well. And now, you know, everything seems to be, it's not like chaos, you know, mm. where perhaps I thought it would be.
2: So it's like managing the grief process. Is, is that is that what it is? Like, you know, you like, how long do they need to be Aware of this before it actually happens.
3: Basically, yeah. So you—it's anticipatory grief from my point of view. So I'm now grieving um, for Deb because I'm worried about the future. I'm longing the past, you know, because we were together for sixteen, together for seventeen years, married for fifteen. So I'm all these amazing kind of memories, and obviously she's changing. Um. In some ways, you know, in some ways not, but in some ways we're not able to do the same things anymore. Oh, she got COVID as well, which didn't help. We had COVID before and she got diagnosed like just as the lockdown got lifted, mm-hmm. she was being operated on. So it feels like we've had a really particularly difficult like four years, really, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, managing everything and they're, you know, they them. And I guess they're the priority, you know, in all of
2: this. What were your conversations with Deb like when when you learned that it had spread to the liver and you both sort of realised what was likely to happen? What what were the nature of your conversations then?
3: Yeah, so we had a few heart-to-hearts, and I just promised her that I, a couple of things, you know. But then we would go back to, yeah, but it's going to be all right, you know, it's going to be okay, we're going to... Because that worked, and rather than... And I don't regret that, because... Lots of people have said, oh, no, but you need to be having these conversations. And I think, yeah, that might be right for some people, but not right for us, because we that would have destroyed us if we were just walking around doom and gloom. I was like doing Instagram stories constantly when, you know, because we'll come to this in a second when she was taken to hospital quite a lot. I just kept up this like positive thing. And I think hopefully that helped her live a little bit longer. I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. And and when she passed away four months ago, is that right?
3: Yeah, four months ago, pretty much the day, actually. Yes, yeah, so in September. So le- leading up to that was, um, uh, yeah, fairly dramatic. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way you could, see she could you know, the nature of what she had was that she got fevers and temperatures. And so there's lots of ambulances coming to the house in the middle of the night. And, mm. you know, lots of, she was in hospital for a month. She was in hospital for five weeks. And then, you know, I've got to manage the three kids. I've got to go to the hospital twice a day with meals because of course, Deb being Deb didn't want the hospital food. So I would bring in like I'd cook stuff for her and bring it in. And um, and she only wanted ice from, you know, so I had to get ice and it was quite funny, actually. Um, so, yeah, it just yeah, been a bit of a rubbish couple of years, really, but not as rubbish as the way I look at it is. It, yeah, it's rubbish for me, but not as rubbish as it has been for her. And I'm yes. still here. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we all obviously all wish that she was still here with us, but she's not. So we have to somehow find a way to like navigate forward, you
2: know? Do you mind telling me, sort of, how you know that how a psychologist has helped you, and and what sort of you know, I guess, psychological tools you you've used when times have been very bleak? Um. Yeah,
3: it's a good question.
2: I'm interested partly because it's like I've done therapy. I know lots of people do therapy. Psych, psych seeing a psychologist is slightly different, as I understand it. Um.
3: Yeah, I've had like CBT in the past and it's totally, totally, because what you're trying to do then is is understand behavioural and how you can change that. No, this was different because we're we're like essentially like trying to make sense of what's happening to her and if I'm being honest, we were very realistic so we both Mm. knew that she and we would talk quite frankly that she was going to pass away and what that meant so it's very much i look at it as something that helped prepare me for it like helped Mm. me get in the best possible place psychologically for what happened and like for example when um i had to break the news to the kids i'd call him when you know she got taken into the hospice i'd call him how am i going to do with this and he would just you know help me there was like if it was a book, there would be forty chapters of what happened, mm. and each chapter almost like needed a special treatment for for each thing. Mm. Um, and then obviously he was trying to manage my mental health as well, you know, and trying to, you know, all it was it's massively complicated, you
1: know. Yeah, and,
3: and what's what which really scares me is is that because there was quite a big article on that I did in the BBC, which kind of went yeah. viral around the world um my and as a result i'm getting kind of I'm, I'm like dr grief it feels like now so yeah my inbox is like the most depressing inbox <laughs> probably in britain mm. i i define you'd find anyone whose inbox it's just full of people Three-fifth. we're not like it's not location specific they could be from anywhere yeah. mexico colombia and it all it's all like and like some guys are getting in touch Saying my wife died two weeks ago. I don't I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Mm. So I'm like, I've got calls booked this week with people, wow. which wasn't but I think feel like it's the right thing to do. Um but the reason I was saying that was um these guys haven't had spoken to anyone, they haven't had a Welsh psychologist who's yeah. helped and prepare because it's just happened. And what like I feel really bad about um is that there's people out there who are ill-prepared and and the, with the grief thing, gosh, like, imagine how many people out there just totally lost and what other – and I, I'm convinced that, you know, when you go to the pub – not that I go to the pub at 9 o'clock in the morning, but the man who's at there at 9 o'clock in the morning, there's always a sad story associated with that, I think. And I, I what worries me and what's starting to make sense to me now that it's probably someone potentially – like that, he's had a series of unfortunate events, he's ill-prepared for it, hasn't had access to the tools or the, the means to be able to do it, and that's why. So, yeah, I'm try- what I'm trying to do now is work out how I can, without coming across like a bit of a twat, um, like help people, I guess, who've been through um, something similar, you know?
2: <laughs> just turn the light on. I think it's great what you're doing because... Yeah, I mean, it, 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 to to suffer alone and not have support of people who understand and have been there must be awful. However, when I listen to you, Kieran, I think, you know, you, you've been through so much and you're still going through so much and, it, and it's still quite, you know, we we're only talking about four months and I wonder if you're really sort of looking after yourself and protecting yourself enough alongside, obviously, you know, you are grieving and all of your sympathy is understandably with Deb and, and what she went through, of course. You're, you know, you're, you're concerned about your kids. They're your priority. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more.
1: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: You're also, you know, publicly discussing it because you want to help other people, um, you know, are you, are you conscious of the fact that this, you know, that you can't overstretch yourself too much? You need to, I guess you need to just yeah. rest and protect yourself, don't you?
3: But I'm doing, like, it's not, I'm taking it easy as well, you know? Mm. So I'm like, I, I'm, it, there's lots of, like, cliches. Go easy on yourself, Garand. Mm. Well, I don't know what that means. But, um, <laughs> like, I made a poached egg for lunch. Is that, like, going easy on myself? Mm. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting, I'm resting, and I'm, you know, I'm aware, I'm going through it, but this is just mm. kind of my um, nature, I think. I don't know, maybe I'm just going to like explode or something. Don't think I will, but don't feel like I will. But I'll let you know if I do.
2: Are your and 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 day to day with your kids. Are their ages eight, twelve, and fourteen? Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that? Yeah, f- fifteen. Yeah,
3: fifteen so. now.
1: Hmm.
2: So challenging. So after Deb passed, I had
3: three birthdays within two and a half months. It was our wedding anniversary the day after the wake. Right. Uh, The, you know, the day after the funeral. So Mm. I woke up after the funeral and it was our wedding anniversary. So, yeah, it's just been mental, really. And I've obviously been really quite busy with work up until now. That was my thing, you know, quite stressful. You know, what it's like running your own business and Mm. And now I'm like my first work call back was with Google, a pitch with Google, and I actually thought about cancelling the call. Mm. I was like, oh, I can't be asked with this, you know. And then I, I and then I thought, God, Garen, why you come on, mate? You've like worked really hard to get into this situation. Don't just not do it. And then obviously yeah. I, I did it, but then you're like on the call, and you're like. <sighs> it doesn't mean what it meant before because you know it just doesn't mean the, don't mean the same you know mm. we just don't really hopefully that'll come back but i get whereas helping and the kind of grief thing there seems a bit more purpose with that and i'm like all right so i don't know whether i'll shift my focus to be more on that i'm not sure but the day-to-day is very chill i've got like i live in southeast london so loads of friends around here and we just tend to
2: meet up and there's plenty to do, you know? Um what when when you see friends, where's the balance between, you know, if if it was me and I was in the position of, of one of your mates, I'd always be like, Is is my role to to talk to Geron about this so he can get things off his chest if he's feeling it, or is in fact My role, the opposite, and to distract, and we talk about other stuff. What helps you? What what would your advice be for people who who are around people who are grieving?
3: So the first thing you've got to do is um, don't like message them, and um, people have got like a little bit offended because I said this in the article. Who have done this, and I'm not Mm. offended, but just don't ask how are you because that in a message, how are you doing? Because it's just a bit of a, it's a question that has such a big answer that it's mm. impossible. F- and, you know, and, and I understand, so just don't do that. Um That's one thing you shouldn't do. What And don't say, do you need anything, anything I can do again? Because there's just so much going on in your head. That you can't mm. say, oh, actually, can you, put, what you've got to do is just like, it's just action. Just do it. Do so just stuff. Just if you're going to take the kids uh, out, just come around. Hi, it's you know I'm just going to or take the kids out for a bit. You just or drop a lasagna off, you know, Mm. Um, because everyone seems to their default meal is a lasagna that they make.
2: Yeah, which is good. It's a good one though, isn't it? Because you can just bring it. It's just one pot you need to bring round.
3: And let's be honest, the lasagna, if it's done properly, oh. that fills you up, that does. If you, like, go a bit yeah. it, it, afterwards, you know you've got something in like, – you've got basically yeah. like, a slab of, like, concrete inside. It's, it's, of, un, it's yeah.
2: unreal. There's four of you, and that works out quite well for most rectangular lasagna dishes as well, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, I'll 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 make you a lasagna, mate, and I'll, I'll – oh. do you eat meat?
2: I don't, I don't. I do, oh, no. make, I do make a mean veggie lasagna. In fact, just talking okay. to you about it now, I'm thinking I might do that tonight because it's my turn to cook. But you're right, lasagna is just something, there's something There's something heartwarming, there's, some, there's love in a lasagna as well, isn't there? Do you know yeah, what I mean?
3: Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I had uh, like lasagnas coming out of my ears. So yeah, just bring the lasagna. Don't like say, do you want me to, because then you think, oh, well, am I putting them out? Yeah, yeah. By? It's just, and I'm, Know just so, just don't do that, whatever you do. And if you see someone who's grieving, Mm. don't say, How are you? because the answer is going to be, I'm I'm shit.
1: Mm.
3: But I could say, Oh, oh, what? Just say, (laughs) You know, if it's the first time, just say, Look, I'm really sorry for your loss.
1: Mm.
3: You know, that's a really good thing to say because, and then do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? Mm. Like, give me the option and then. I will, or one would just say, I do want to talk about it. Actually. I'm having a really rubbish day. The kids are driving me mad, you know, and then that opens up a conversation Then, or I just don't want to talk about it. And then fine. we we'll talk about something else. But yeah. Um, uh, people just don't know how to react. This is, which is why I'm fascinated by grief. Don't know how to re- react. Don't know what to say. I scared. They, they look at you like, yeah, kind of, it's just, I find it quite. I find it quite funny, and I'm. In, I find and I'm embarrassed. I find it embarrassing that I'm in this situation. So you walk to school, and I'm like, oh my god, this is actually embarrassing. I have to yeah. go in, and you're looking. You're like, you know, what everyone's thinking, and you're like, you know, should I look at my phone? Should I not look at my phone? Do I put my hands there? Yeah. And Deb would be laughing. She'd be laughing a head off. Yeah. She'd be like saying, right and you, it's your turn now, mate. Cause I had to do everything. And you, mm. Mm. it's your turn now. So I, I find solace in that.
2: One piece, I mean, the BBC article really is so powerful. When I read it, I read it late the other night. I was um I was on my own. And you know, I did I did I did become tearful, as I'm sure a lot of people did reading your story, because it was such a powerful interview, and you know, and I'm a similar age to you I've got two kids and a wife who I've known since I was a teenager and you can't help but sort of start you know reading your experience that you you put across so vividly and thinking and thinking oh my god what if one of the things that you said that really struck me though and I don't know what this says about me and my relationship with my wife was you said I wish I'd had more practical conversations and I thought to myself Jesus Christ, my wife really runs everything in this house. She does, yeah. I pull my weight, don't get me wrong, but in terms of the organisation, the plan, the strategy, and I think that's the same with a lot of marriages. It's the woman, right? And although we're all trying to be modern men and we all kind of try to put as much work in, very often it's the woman who's putting the systems in place. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, you wouldn't think to say... Um, really sorry that you're dying. But where do you keep that that key for the shed in the front garden, the bin shed, just before you go? And I'm thinking, fucking hell. I mean, I don't know how you're getting on, but you, you hinted in the piece that there were a lot of things to do with the kids, to do with the household that you just didn't know and you wish you'd asked her.
3: Mate, I could write a book about this. So it's little things like you know, Netflix pin, uh, BT password. And she hilariously said before she passed away, "It's all on my phone." And then, obviously, yeah, but I need Face ID, don't I, for the phone? Mm. So uh, that's quite funny that I think she might have known that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's everything. So the ba- girls do ballet three, four times a week. So right. it's in Hearn Hill. I'm back and forth. It's like it's like a yo yo. Oh, here he is again. Yeah. He's back. He's there. He's there. Oh, here he is. It's like we used to share that, and now I'm like driving them back and forwards. Um, like the cooking, you know, it's like Ian Beale's cafe downstairs. Like I'm just literally like, what do you want tonight? You know, the shopping. That's, she did the shopping, all the shopping online. Yeah. I'm now yeah. in Sainsbury's on a Monday because it's quiet. I can't do the Ocado I Can't work out how to do the online the card, or maybe I don't want to, I can't be arsed. so I just mm. go down there <laughs> mm, mm. old school,
1: yeah, <laughs> um,
3: and whinge when there's no one at the check in. You know, I just look, at it and all the other, you know,
2: there's no one. Yet. It is old school going to the supermarket for a big shop, isn't it? It reminds you of when you're a kid, but it's quite a laugh too because you, you, you start when you shop online, you can't, um. You don't get your random purchases that you've just passed by. And like, oh, I like, look at that. And you chuck it in the trolley. Yeah. So that, there's something to be said for an in-person shop.
3: Yeah. And what like since Deb has passed, um, the family have got into the chicken satay, little sticks, the little mm. sticks, not many calories. So that's the new snack. Yeah. So I'm obviously a shambles. So uh, learning not to be a shambles and I'm not very strict. I'm just really easy going.
2: Yeah. You know, I was, was going to ask you what, you know, not, not to be disrespectful to, to the memory of your lovely wife, but what rules of Debs are you now frequently breaking? And um, what and what and, and do you feel guilty every time you do so? The little things around the house that you just that you and the kids just were discouraged from before.
3: Well, sometimes the kid like the house was always really tidy before the cleaning yeah. now comes four times
2: a week. Yes, mate. Absolutely brilliant. But me.
3: So, so, like, she's my God saver. She's my God saver. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, she's, you know, she probably knew me see that. So, legend. So, that's one thing. Uh, The woman in the lawn, this sounds really sexist, but I just wasn't in charge of this. Uh, The laundry woman in Peckham now is my, like, soulmate. Um, (laughs) But she's, like, you know, she like carries it to the car, like I'm just sort of poor widow guy. Yeah. Um the kitchen is sometimes in just such a mess, like such a mess. It just looks like we've been like there's been some sort of attack. And I just think, God, if she was here now, she'd be going nuts. And obviously the yes. kids. Well, I mean, my fit my son is 15. Like, yeah. can you remember what you were like when you're 15? Because I remember Nightmare. what I was like.
2: Yeah. Nightmares. My daughter's 15. Yeah, um, and I just, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a there's a lot of vol- volatility, isn't there?
3: Yeah, so he's discovered house parties, and he's like, right. "Hey, Dad, I'm just going to a house party." Or well, what time are you back then? He goes, oh, "I don't know." I'm like, "Yeah, but you know," so literally, it's like midnight. I don't know where he is. He's turned his track. Ah, uh, it's just you know, he's out now somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where he is. So it's, it's all, a lot of stuff-
2: And your family it was 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 dead from Wales as well.
3: She's from Hereford, so um, just right. outside of Wales, Oh, OK.
2: So, so your so in-laws, family are, are not local for you. No, it's So that, so it's that just makes me, it yeah. extra hard for you.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not complaining, but it is uh, particularly... Uh, Mate, I, I think you can
2: complain. I think you can
3: complain yeah. a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, it's shit, isn't it? So yeah. It's a shit storm. So it's like, mm. yeah, it's shit. So, uh, but I've, we've gone on nice holidays, so that's the thing. So we... Mm. Never went on holidays really before because it was lockdown. And I was like, right, we're, we're going on holiday all, yeah. all the time. So we went to Greece. We have went to Antigua over Christmas. We're going to New York in February. Wow, that's
2: great. Yeah.
3: And it's just like, fuck it. Just like, let's just go. It doesn't matter. Let's just go and see things and experience stuff. So yeah. that's really worked like from a, for the kids' perspective. Because what my goal is with that is that they, um look back on this awful period and at least think but we'd had some positive experiences as well mm. it wasn't all just doom and gloom you know
1: yeah
2: yeah it sounds like a really smart way of getting yourself through these certainly these early stages you know just do whatever works you know yeah. whatever works from i mean i look i could I've got no experience, so I can't. I can't. I'm certainly not trying to give you any advice. But when you talk about it, I think that makes so much sense to me. You just got to do whatever works for you to get through these times. And it sounds like you're doing an absolutely like a heroic, a heroic job, mate. And even the way you speak, like you know, I can imagine your kids are very lucky to have a a, a person with your optimistic demeanor. Uh, Are you uh, so? Yeah. Are you? I was going to ask you about optimism. I mean, when you think about... Do you think about the future much now, or are you just sort of basically getting through each day?
3: Well, you hope that it's going to get easier, and you have to, like, uh, apply a bit of common sense to it and look at... I always go, okay, Paul McCartney then, Paul McCartney. So, Paul McCartney, was uh, 1996 when Linda died,
1: Mm.
3: wasn't it? And, you know, he released that awful album in 1997... (laughs) And then fast forward, you know, then, and he's like, you know, it was like, what was that amazing song that he did, um, Dance Tonight? That was like, wow, yeah. when we heard that, it was amazing. So I think, so, and, you know, his life seemed to, so I think, and I get, I'm guessing that Maka was an optimist. Yes. Or is an optimist and wasn't going to let this defeat him. So I'm taking the Macca approach with it. So that that I've is, got Macca in my mind.
2: Yeah, like a wid- widower inspiration. And I even uh, when I did the speech in the funeral uh, copied
3: Macca because in when John Lennon got inducted to the Hall of Fame, if you look at it up on YouTube, he goes, "Dear John," he writes a letter to John. Yeah. So I wrote a letter to Deb, and I read out the letter, just thanking her for everything and like oh. you know. So Macca has been instrumental in this. So I'm, I'm that's there. such a
2: that's such a smart idea because everyone like everyone's getting in touch with you, right? So like you say, like all these grieving men. I'm assuming most of them are are men uh, and yeah. like getting in touch with you from around the world because you need some inspiration, you need a role model. What better one to choose? You think, Oh yeah, Paul McCartney is like the biggest living legend in, in the world. Yeah, and, he is. Yeah. And you forget it's very easy when you think of Paul McCartney, you don't think, Oh, yeah, he's a grieving widower, but he yeah. is. Every day he, he is, I'm sure, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. and he's and- got, you
3: know. Fame, you can take the fame away and whatever, or the money that allowed him to go to Arizona to the best. It's the same outcome. It's the same conversation. It's the same process. So I just applied that to, like, well, I'm trying to apply that. It sounds bloody ridiculous, actually. Mm. Um, so, But I've applied MACA to it, and and I think... So in, to answer your question about the future, I'm, like... Trying to be realistic and try and get through this period, and I'm aware that it's never going to go away, but I'm not going to let it ruin us, you know. That's because that's not what she would wanted. Because she did say, "Oh, you'll be all right." I said, what do, you, "What do you mean, you'll be all right?" She went, "Yeah, you'll be all right." I was like, "Right, oh, okay, thanks, thanks for that." So, but hang on, I me. Mean, do you understand how many times I've emptied the dishwasher in the past week? It is literally. Like you know, don't, we'd always share the dishwasher when she got ill. I did make her empty the dishwasher. Um, but you know, in the history that we were together, there was a like a you know, it was fair, she'd empty it and I'd empty it. I know I'm doing the whole thing now, and the kids are yeah. empty it. Yeah. <laughs> I might have yeah. to get someone to empty the dishwasher, But well, you and, and you're yourself?
2: trying to the balance is like you're trying to be gentle with your kids who are going through obviously Hell. a very tough time, but at the same time. You need support from your kids too, don't you? Just in practical things. So, but I suppose you don't feel like you want to push them too hard in terms of, listen, you've got to start helping out around the house.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, well, they just like look at me like I'm mad. But um, (laughs) my eight year old charges me, listen, every time my eight year old charges me a pound every time she empties the dishwasher, a pound when she cleans the table.
2: She wants a pound from you for that.
3: Yeah. So, if she like takes a cup, a cereal bowl and a plate, that's a pound. If she empties the dishwasher, no, half the dish is a pound. So she's got a tab now, and she reckons I owe her 20 quid.
2: Unbelievable.
3: What's
2: that all about? I mean, look, there has to be a respectful period, but in the end, you're just going to have to clamp down on that. (laughs) it'll, It'll clean you out, mate.
3: I haven't paid the bill yet anyway.
2: I've just like sent it to no. the uh, accounts team and I put it on 90 <laughs> yeah, yeah. days, you know? Geron, <laughs> yeah. you're an you're genuinely, genuinely sometimes this word gets overused, but what an inspirational bloke you are. Um and I'm so sorry for your loss. So you told me to use that phrase, so I'm pulling exactly it. Exactly well out. Yeah. Does I really be? I really am and I really was very emotional reading not just, you know, the the piece in the in the and the BBC, but I've been following you on social media for a while now. So, I, I you know, and your posts are, are very, very powerful. And, um, I just think you're, you're an amazing guy. And, um, I know it's, I know it's tough, but listen, the fact that you've made me laugh a lot and, and that you're still laughing at times, I'm sure it's, there are much darker times than this right now, but yeah, you, you're, do, you're doing incredibly like the strength is an inspiration to anyone in life, whatever they're going through. And, and Jesus You know, me and I'm sure a lot of other blokes listening wake up some days and get right down in the dumps for things that are relatively really fucking trivial. And for for that reason, you're helping all of us, not just your fellow grieving husbands and fathers around the world. Yeah. Oh, thanks.
3: um, Really appreciate that. I really
2: mean it.
3: Finally. And well, and finally, are you going to make me a lasagna
2: then? Uh, You know what? I was thinking that but it's I... going to i don't know if it's going to have meat in it would you be prepared to eat yeah, a veggie yeah. lasagna if I, I there yeah. all, all right. right
3: i'll send you my well, address brixton's
2: not far from me so really? I, can, I can i can get you around i'm in south west london so oh, i right, can, okay I, I can get i can get you a i can get a lasagna to you and i Mate. do i do rate myself as a lasagna chef. i've got to say (laughs)
3: i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna uh, comment until i've tried it but thank you very much
2: okay it's a deal mate absolute deal (laughs) brilliant all right Uh, all right nice to speak to you all the best to you and to the kids um and you know best of luck for the future mate thanks so much for joining me
3: all right cheers thanks
2: that was geraint john an incredible fella i'm sure you'll agree I wish him and his family all the very best for the future and I hope to be delivering a vegetarian lasagna to them at some point in the near future. You can follow Geraint on Twitter at GeraintJohn underscore. That's spelt G-E-R-A-I-N-T-J-O-H-N and then an underscore. Also, search his name on the BBC News website to read that incredible interview he did a couple of weeks back. That's it for this week. If you like this pod, then please consider subscribing at samdelaney.substack.com, which will give you access to this pod every week and regular newsletters. Now, the Reset is ad-free and supported by paid subscriptions. So if you'd like to upgrade for just over a pound a week, you get bonus podcasts, access to the full archive invites to our monthly live stream and more besides anyway until next time gang thanks for listening be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down